Good morning, church. I'm glad you're here with us this morning, either here in the building or tuning in online. We are still in our series, Psalms of Encouragement. And uh, basically, this series is designed to look at Psalms to encourage us as we're in this new year, 2021. We all need a little bit of encouragement, and that's what we've been doing, learning from these Psalms of Encouragement. So I'm going to open up in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here this morning. We just pray, Lord, that now as we uh, spend time going into your word, that uh, it's encouraging to us, that it helps us and inspires us to live a life that's focused on you. We're just thankful again for the fact that we could listen and uh, tune in this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that your name is glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to deal with Psalm 91. So it's not certain who wrote this psalm. So most just say it's an anonymous psalm written by someone that was surrounded by danger and evil. Now, this psalm actually has an interesting flow to it because the psalmist is talking to the reader. Many of the psalms we study, the psalmist is talking directly to God. Now, in this psalm, the psalmist is talking to us, the reader. And then the final verses, God speaks to us. So now, what this psalm is dealing with is being surrounded by evil or danger. We've all been in difficult situations in life, and sometimes those situations are brought on by a sinful decision that we made. We're kind of bringing evil and danger into our lives. Sometimes those situations have to do with our health. Sometimes those situations have to do with our safety. Sometimes those situations have to do with persecution from the outside. And sometimes those situations have to do with a relationship that we have. But we can all admit that none of us are a stranger to trouble and difficult situations. Actually, it's impossible to live in this world that is under the curse of sin and avoid all danger and evil and discomfort. But if that's the case, what do we do when these things happen? How do we get through these things and where do we turn? So today we're looking at Psalm 91 to find out the answer to those questions. Now first, remember the psalmist is talking to us. First, the psalmist reminds us we need to turn to God. In this first verse, in Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 actually, it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So basically what happens is he starts with descriptive names of God that are meant to convince us why we should actually turn our attention to God when these difficult situations happen, when trouble happens, when danger happens, when evil's around us. So it's basically like the psalmist is kind of saying to us, hey, lean in for a second and listen. The one that you should turn to is actually amazing. And you're going to see this, okay? The one that you should actually turn to is amazing. And you can see that through the things that he does. Now, basically, the psalmist goes on to say, you know what, let me tell you about him. And I know this 
because all these things that I said in this verse are true to me. He is the, all these things to me. So let's highlight a few things. So first, the psalmist calls him the Most High. Calling God the Most High is actually saying everything else is under God, okay? God is of primary importance, the Most High. Everything else comes under God. There's no better, there's no one better, and there's no one who can help me like God actually does. He is the Most High. Then, then it says the Almighty. If you look, we see the Almighty, and the Almighty means he has complete power. Theologians call this omnipotence, okay? He has the power over everything, and that means he has the power over every situation in our life. He says, my refuge, meaning this, my place of safety. Okay, we are safe with him. So God is my refuge. And then he says, my fortress. So that symbolizes security. If you're in a fortress, you're secure in that fortress. So the psalmist is saying, I am secure with God. So he calls him most high, almighty, my refuge and my fortress. But then he goes on to say this. Personally, my God in whom I trust. Now, this is where we answer the question. If all these things before are true about God, how come we still suffer? If God is the Most High, the Almighty, my refuge, my fortress, how come we still suffer? And how come bad things still happen if all those other things are true about God? How does this all-powerful, most high God keep us safe and secure? Well, the answer to that is what Jesus did on the cross. Now, we're on the other side of the cross. I've said this many times during our study in the Psalms. We're on the other side of the cross. So we know this to be true from the scriptures, that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He rose from the grave three days later to prove that he is God, to prove that he conquers death, that he conquered Satan, and that he forgives us of our sins when we trust in him. So the truth of the gospel is all who believe in Jesus as their Savior will have eternal life. So God will keep us safe and secure. But do you realize this? We are never promised a safe life protected and free from suffering in this life, okay? We're, we're never promised a safe, protected, free from suffering life while we're on this earth. But guess what? We're promised that in eternity. We're promised that in eternity. So these truths, the Most High, the Almighty, my refuge, my fortress, are actually going to be applied to our spiritual lives in eternity. But that does not mean that God is not involved in our lives here and now. Because we can't just say, okay, these things are all true later and they're never going to be true now. No, that's not the truth either. Sometimes... These very things happen in our lives. So that does not mean that God's not involved in our lives here and now. In fact, 
this psalm goes on to teach us that he's personally involved in our lives. And the psalmist points out three ways that God is personally involved in our lives. And then God tells us why. And then God speaks. So the psalmist speaks, and then God speaks. So let's look at the first thing the psalmist is going to tell us. The psalmist is going to tell us God is personally involved in your life when you are unaware of danger. Okay, notice, unaware of danger. Sometimes in life, we're unaware or even ignorant of danger. We go through life expecting that good will always come our way. Maybe because, because good has come your way more than it hasn't. But let's look at the verse. Verse 3 says this, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. So, now he names two forms of danger here that we could be totally unaware of. The fowler, okay, the fowler is a hunter of wild game. Any, any of you that are hunters realize that what you are hunting actually has no idea you are out hunting. Okay, what you are hunting has no idea that you are out hunting. So basically the deer or the duck or whatever is being hunted is unaware of the danger that is near. Okay, the deer just walking through the woods and bam. Okay, the duck just flying in the air and bam. Those creatures are totally unaware. It actually sounds kind of sad, doesn't it? Maybe some of you hunters out there might feel bad now. Well, the second thing is pestilence plague or disease. Now, something that we can't see. We have all been living the last 11 months, so we're kind of aware that this is going on, right? But are we really aware of what else is out there or possibly what can be next? So, some danger is like that for us, right? Some danger is like we're fully under, uh, unaware of what is actually going on. Bad things that just happen maybe out of seemingly nowhere. But what this verse is reminding us is this. There is so much danger out there that you and I are being delivered from that we don't even realize it. Okay, there's so much danger out there that you and I on a day-to-day -day basis are being delivered from and we don't even, we're not even aware of the fact that the danger is out there. But God is working behind the scenes and doing these things we don't even realize. And eventually what happens is we start to take that for granted. We walk through life like nothing's wrong, like there's no problems out there, like I'll always be safe and secure, like nothing could ever happen to me. And we take that for granted. And God is working behind the scenes and protecting us and keeping us safe from those things. So then he goes on to say this, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. So pinions are actually the outer parts of the wings of a bird. The mother bird covers the baby birds with her wings, right, when danger is around. And the baby birds find refuge in the mother bird's wings. 
Now, it's obvious what a shield is, but most of you might not know what a buckler is. And that's the strap behind the shield that, that goes around the forearm of the warrior. Basically, the significance of that phrase, the shield and the buckler, is that the shield of defense is firmly in place, just like the faithfulness of God in our lives is firmly in place. So he covers us and defends us. Right now, we are being protected by God and defended when evil comes our way, especially when Satan and his demons try to attack, because remember, they're the unseen. We talked about that in Ephesians. The unseen in the spiritual world is trying to attack us. We're not even aware this stuff's going on, and here God is defending us. These things are going on behind the scenes, and you are being protected, and you are completely unaware at times. The psalmist wants us to realize, hey, guess what? This is going on right now. You have a faithful, loving God who is protecting you even when you're unaware or sometimes even ignorant of the fact that this is going on. Which brings us to the next two verses. It says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Enemies attack at night. Battles happen in the day. Again, pestilence. The issue is the unseen danger, like at night. And then the destruction is seen during the day. So basically, that brings us to our next point. So there's going to be things that we're unaware of in life, that God is daily protecting us from, that we are unaware, that his work is happening behind the scenes, and we don't even recognize it because, in fact, we expect good to be happening but God is there behind the scenes protecting us. But then he deals with this during the day, okay? These battles during the day, the destruction during the day, which brings us to the next point. We move from the unseen to the seen. God is personally involved in your life when you are aware of danger. When you are aware of danger. Here we have things that we're well aware of. We're well aware that these things are going on and we see what God is doing on our behalf. You know, I said this a few weeks ago, but in life, when things go our way, we tend to lean in two different ways. I was lucky or I was smart. Okay, when things are going our way, we lean two different ways. I was lucky or I was smart. I was lucky I was not five minutes earlier or I would have been in that accident that I just passed by on the road. I was smart. I pulled my money out of that stock just before it went down. The list can go on and on of things we claim for ourselves. I was lucky or I was smart. I was lucky or I was smart. But the more we do that, the more we take God out of the equation. You get that? The more we say I was lucky, the more we say I was smart. I made a good decision. All those things. Anytime we say we've done, the more we take God out of the equation. We attribute the things to luck or intelligence, but look at what these next verses say. It says this, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
So basically what's happening here is all these things that stand in the way of safety, accomplishments, and the hurdles that we face in life, you're well aware of, okay? You're well aware these things are out there, the things that you see. And God is involved, and you can go to him with those things. Don't rely on luck. Don't rely on your intelligence, but rely on God, and he's there. And he knows what's going on. He knows what's against you. He knows that you see what's against you. He knows that you're going to try to do things in your own power without him. But he's saying, don't do that. Okay, the psalmist is saying, don't do that. Lean on him. Rely on him. You have a health issue? Go to God. You have a financial issue? Go to God. You have a work issue? Go to God. You have a relational issue? Go to God. He is personally involved in those things. There is nothing out of his reach, like we talked about in the past weeks. But not only that, there's nothing that he doesn't care about. You might just think, oh, I don't want to bother God with this. Well, bother him with it because he does want to be bothered. He wants to know what you're feeling. He wants to know that you care to ask him. He wants his child to go to him and ask him for help. Then he goes on to say this in verse 8. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Now this verse goes to the extreme and basically says, you can sit back and watch God take care of these things. The, the recompense of the wicked, meaning the wicked, the wicked, excuse me, paying for what they've done. So basically what God's saying, you could sit back and watch God take care of these things. Or in other words, step away and don't respond like the people that do not trust God do. Don't take matters into your own hands. Just watch what God will do. Give these things to God. He's not saying don't take any action. He's saying the action is give these things to God. Let God handle these things. Let God work through these things. Go to him in prayer. Ask him to help you through these things. Don't waste your energy trying to fix things that God will fix for you. And he's saying this, the wicked will pay for what they do. And sometimes we see that happen, which is a reminder that God is there. But you know what? Sometimes someone wrongs you and you don't have to be concerned about getting them back. You just have to know that God is involved and he will take care of those things. He's going to take care of those things. It's not our job to pay the wicked back. It's not our job to make them pay. God will take care of those things. Well, why? Let's look. It says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Wait a minute. Does this mean that nothing bad will ever happen to a believer? Well, obviously, it can't mean that because most of you realize that something bad has happened to you in your life. That you have faced evil, you have faced danger, you have faced difficult situations. So what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean when something bad happens or evil comes our way? It means this, 
The Lord is with you and he's going to get you through it. The Lord is with you and he is going to get you through it. What if right now something bad is happening to you? You are suffering. You are broken. And you don't feel like God is there for you. Or you don't feel that God is doing anything. You've heard this and said, okay, you know what? God is there for me. But I'm not feeling this right now because I'm going through this situation. And I don't feel like God is there. Well, you have to know this. God is personally involved in your life and can perform miracles. You know, some of the things in our life that we look and we just say, oh man, th there is no way this can change, this can get better. It would only take a miracle. Well, let me just tell you this. God is personally involved in your life and can perform miracles. Doesn't mean he's always going to perform miracles, but he can. Okay, God is personally involved in your life and he can perform miracles. Now, do you believe that God can actually perform miracles? Well, I'll just tell you this. I sure do. In fact, we would be fools not to believe that. We would be fools not to believe that. There are so many things that we don't even realize that are actually miracles from God that we see day in and day out. Many times we attribute the miracles to luck or human intelligence, right? Oh, I'm glad the doctors are so smart that they can help me with my health. Well, guess what? It's a miracle that God gave them the intelligence to actually use to unearth the things that God already knew were there, okay? So when you look at modern medicine, it's a miracle from God. It's not human intelligence as much as it's a miracle from God. Don't attribute things to human intelligence or luck. Remember, God is intimately involved in the affairs of people. So it goes on, it says this, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now, some of you recognize this verse, and it's what Satan used to tempt Jesus when he said to Jesus, throw yourself off the temple. Throw yourself off the temple. And then he, Satan quoted this passage. He said, he's going to send his angels to fly in and catch you. But then Jesus said what? He said, don't put your, the Lord your God to the test. Now, basically we come to a conclusion that we should not do something stupid and then expect God to perform a miracle to bail us out. We're not going to say, hey, I'm going to go down to AC and gamble my life savings away, and I'm going to trust that God's going to perform a miracle because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a lot of the proceeds to the church, to, to the work of God. So, you know what, God, I'm going to do this, and you're going to do a miracle, and then, you know, everything's going to be fine. And then you do something stupid like that, and it doesn't work out, and you're like, well, God doesn't perform miracles. Well, here's the problem. You put the Lord, your God, to the test, like Jesus said not to. Can God have you win? Sure he can. Will he? Probably not. Why? Because he's not a genie in a bottle. Okay? It doesn't work that way. He doesn't just do what we wish for. But notice it says this, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, the meaning here is even when you stumble, he can and will perform miracles to pick you up. 
Now, some of you might have experienced this in your own life. You stumbled and fallen into sin, and maybe in some cases very badly. Maybe you hurt a lot of people, and you lost a lot of trust from people. And then, through this whole situation, as bad as it was, you witnessed a miracle that God worked it out and used it for his glory. And you know what? If you would, were to go back, you'd be like, okay, I wouldn't want to take that path again. And God probably wouldn't want you to take that path again either. But he saw you as his child stumble and fall. And then he said, you know what, child? I'm going to pick you up. It's not going to be the same as it was before, but I'm going to use this miraculously to bring glory to me. Many ministries were started in that way, ministering to people that are broken and have fallen into terrible sin. And then God raised them up and miraculously used them to help other people that have fallen in similar ways to restore them. The final verse about miracles really drives us home, though. It says, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. An adder is a venomous snake. And you know what? Here, here he's not saying go out and find a snake or a lion and mess with them and be like, hey, God, you said I could fight snakes and lions. I'm going to go out and like pick a fight with a snake or a lion. Don't, don't do that, okay? Don't do something like that. But he is saying that God can do things in our lives that are normally impossible that the world would look at and say, that's impossible. That most of the people around you would look and say, that's impossible. But here's what we do. We pray and have faith that with God, all things are possible. Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? With God, all things are possible. Jesus said that himself. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know what? God is personally involved in your life, and he can perform miracles. We can rest in faith to know that we have a God that can do what the world would say can never happen. Well, why? The question really becomes why. And this is where God starts to speak. You matter to God. You know what? In a world where our importance is attributed to our accomplishments or how many friends or followers we have on social media or how much money or fame that we have, sometimes we think we don't matter or we are insignificant because we have not attained some of the things that the world says will gain you importance. Well, the truth is, is you matter to God. You matter to God. So this is when he speaks, and this is what he says. He says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And this is he or she, right? This is God speaking to the faithful servant, to the faithful believer, the one that knows him. You matter to him. You are his child. He knows that you love him. He knows that you love him. He knows that you know him. That's why he says he knows my name. It's not just you know his name. Oh, his name is Jesus. It's you intimately know God and you matter to him. Essentially, God is saying the one that loves me and knows me, I have their back. 
No matter what you go through in life, no matter what situation that you're dealing with, God has your back. He has not turned his back on you. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. You matter to him. You may not matter to anyone else in this world, but you matter to God. You matter to God. Don't ever forget that. The next verse talks about our prayer lives. He says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. We all know we have access to God in prayer, right? Maybe some of us don't take advantage of that, but we have access to God in prayer. And we all know that he answers. His answers, you've heard me say this and many other people say this before, his answers are yes, no, or wait. But guess what? His promises are, I will be with you. I will be with you. Ultimately, I will rescue him, rescue you. Now, this is a future promise, a future promise, and here's why. Here's why. In verse 16, it says this, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Eventually, we're going to pass from this life and join him in the next, and then we will see the full extent of our salvation. Until that day, we know that we have a God that is personally involved in our lives because we matter to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we matter to you and you're personally involved in every aspect of our lives. And no matter what the situation is, no matter how bleak that it looks, we know that you're personally involved in the things that we're aware of and in the things that we're unaware of. We just pray, Lord, that we hold fast to those truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.